Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. You do it to yourself. You do. And that's what really hurts. It's high noon for Tuesday, October 19th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcotour.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 272nd day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half dead, demented, degenerate, Ventriloquist dummy fake proxy president Joe Biden, who was overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You thought you had formed the Justice League and instead everything has just turned into the plot of Almost every single high school horror movie ever. That's right. You got all the most heroic, diverse, unique (laughs) people together all in one big group. And you were like, well, everything is saved now. We have the Justice League together. But it turns out 
the summer camp where you're all counselors has a murderer. And it turns out that the murderer is one of the counselors. And it turns out that the murderer is actually more than one counselor. And it turns out that all the rest of the counselors have now become murderers <laughs> to make sure that the original murderer is brought to justice. And that's what we have now. That's the Democrat Communist Party and the Uniparty in a nutshell. It's a group of absolute sociopaths who are patting themselves on the back while destroying everything. And hey, Kami, if you're one of the campers and you have realized, my goodness, all of the camp counselors are psychopathic killers, maybe it's time to stop being a camper and just leave. Simply migrate back to America. All you have to do is stop listening to the counselors. Just leave all of their stupid and evil communist ideas behind. Make amends with everybody in the outside world back in America. All the people you shamed and bullied and censored and tried to get fired from their jobs. Just make amends. Just say you're sorry. Be honest. Be forthright. And make the first move. That's what you're supposed to do when you have wronged someone. So just do that. Those of us in the outside world, those of us back in America, we will accept your apology and welcome you back to America with open arms. And you will be oh so thankful that you did, because the truth is those camp counselors are all going to kill each other by the time the movie's over. And with that, I would love to extend a warm Tuesday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. Welcome to the show, commies. We're going to get through this together. A few more days this week, a few more days next week. Give it a couple of weeks. You're going to feel like an American again. You're not going to want to be a commie because you're going to wake up and climb the ladder down from your top bunk and you will open the door of your cabin looking at the outside world and think, my God. It's a massacre. <laughs> All the camp counselors have destroyed everything. But I was told they were heroes. Now get ready and strap in, Kami, because I'm about to talk about one of your heroes. You see, in Virginia, they have a gubernatorial election coming up. The current governor, Ralph Northam, is going to be out of there. Ralph Northam, you might remember, is famous for two things, and neither of them are sound governance of a state. The first is that Ralph Northam appeared in an old yearbook as one of two people in a picture, and he apparently does not remember which person he is, but the two people in the picture could be described this way. One of them is in blackface, and the other one is in full clan regalia. And this picture is in his yearbook next to pictures of him. You know, when you're having your yearbook page set up for you, you actually do have a say in what the other pictures are in the yearbook. 
It's not like the yearbook committee goes and knocks on your parents' door and asks for some old pictures. He didn't get framed. One of these two people is Ralph Northam. And because there is no good woke argument about which one of these people is worse, the wokes didn't even bother trying to explain it. They just said, yes, he's definitely one of those people, but it's unclear which one he is. Now, I don't know how things work in Ralph Northam's Virginia, but if I ever donned a Klan costume or put on blackface, I think I would remember it. I'm sure that there are plenty of things that happened in college that I do not remember, and I'm sure that there are pictures of me from college where I would be like, huh, I forgot I had that shirt. But there's definitely no pictures anywhere of me wearing Klan regalia or blackface. Why? Well, because I don't have amnesia and would certainly remember something like that. And so would Ralph Northam, which means that he simply lied. So that's one of the things Ralph Northam is famous for. He either wore a Klan costume or blackface. Blackface like uh, Fidel Castro's son, Justin Trudeau, did multiple times. The other thing that Ralph Northam is famous for is an incident where he was on a radio show and he made comments about late term slash partial birth abortions. He said, and I quote, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly what would happen. The infant would be delivered. The infant would be kept comfortable. The infant would be resuscitated if that's what the mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. And this was in response to an admission by a Virginia delegate, Kathy Tran, that a bill that she had up for debate would allow abortions to be performed until the point of birth. And that if the abortion didn't take, then what would you do after? Like a born alive infant who, I, man, I don't know how there's any way to describe this in a sensitive way, but this is what they're talking about. Like abortion right up to the moment of birth. Okay. What if the baby ends up born alive? That's what Ralph Northam was responding to. And Ralph Northam is still the governor of Virginia, even though this was kind of a long time ago. So you can see that Ralph Northam is an exemplar of the Democrat Communist Party's values. And if he were not that, you would think that they would have gotten him out of the party for these two extremely controversial situations that he put himself in that were it anyone else, those people would have been swiftly removed from public life. If you are an entertainer or an athlete who has devoted their entire life to being successful in your particular field, and you get paid a lot of money to entertain millions of people, and someone finds out that you were in blackface 15 years ago or 30 years ago or whatever it is, you would be finished. 
unless, of course, you were part of the Democrat Communist Party and they needed you for something else. And then they were able to wield this over you anytime they needed to extract political favors from you. And now we can see that's pretty much where Ralph Northam is. Ralph Northam has presided over a Virginia that has turned from a normal place where Americans live into a full-on communist state that can rival uh, California, Washington, Oregon, New York, etc. It's really bad. Right now, the Loudoun County School District, even after all their CRT stuff throughout this year, now they are trying to respond to a situation where a boy in the school who identifies as non-binary sexually assaulted a ninth grade girl at one of the Loudoun County schools and rather than being disciplined or arrested was basically just shipped to a different school so that the whole thing could be covered up. And it turns out that that boy who was identifying as non-binary or something assaulted another person at the new school and that was covered up as well. And now all of this is coming out. The only person so far to get in any trouble for this situation is the father of the girl who was assaulted, and he is in trouble for being angry at a school board meeting. So that's how Virginia is going. But Northam also presided over Virginia turning into a communist state due to the presence of rampant voter fraud, which is obvious and can be seen by anyone who looks. If you recall, in the 2020 election, they actually called Virginia really, really early and then moved it back into too early to call or maybe too close to call. But a lot of messed up stuff happens there. The Democrat system of fraud and abuse and infiltration has really taken root in Virginia. And the person they have running there is Terry McAuliffe, who is a Clinton co-conspirator and ally for decades. Terry McAuliffe won a primary over younger candidates of color by a sweeping wide margin because they decided that Terry McAuliffe was the right man for the moment. He's not a great candidate. He doesn't have great ideas. He doesn't represent hope and change. He's not forward thinking. He's not a new kind of politician. He's just the right man for the moment, which means he's owed favors. He wants to be governor, so he gets to be governor. That's the system. That's how it works. The old white man. Yes, commies, the old white man gets to take the power because the Democrat Communist Party gives it to him. That is what he is owed for helping them achieve power. Terry McAuliffe is an extraordinarily corrupt man. He's also very stupid. A couple of weeks ago, he actually said in a debate against Glenn Youngkin, who's running as a Trump-endorsed Republican, I'm not sure about Glenn Youngkin, and I'm not sure about this Virginia race, but it is what it is. We just have to see what happens. But he said in a debate that he doesn't believe that parents have any business telling schools what they should be teaching their kids. OK, so if they want to teach them 
that black people represent a permanent underclass because of their skin color, then that's okay in Virginia. And if they want to teach that there are 57 genders and you get to choose your own, and if you choose one of the ones they like, then you will receive endless social credit for your bravery. And they can also have your kids reading books that explicitly describe uh, gay sex, anal sex, oral sex, whatever kind of sex they want. That is appropriate reading for 12-year-olds. This is really the kind of stuff that's happening in American schools right now. And this is the sort of politics that Terry McAuliffe represents at this point. The entire Democrat Communist Party represents these politics at this point. These politics are geared toward nothing but the disintegration of society, division and separation. So as you might imagine, the polls are not looking very good for Terry McAuliffe. And yes, the polls are bullshit. I agree. But they are in a dead heat in a state that Joe Biden won by 10 points last fall. We are told that the country wants what the Democrat Communist Party is doing. There is massive popular support for their agenda. So assuming that the central narrative is true for a second, we would have to believe that Terry McAuliffe is less popular than Joe Biden. And that Glenn Youngkin is more popular than Donald Trump. Now, both of those stories are nonsense. Both of those rely on the idea that the country actually does not like Donald Trump and that places like Virginia are truly deep blue states where the residents are really liberal and really support the Democratic candidates. This is what we are meant to believe if we accept the central narrative. Donald Trump was so toxic in Virginia that he suffered a 10 point defeat. But Terry McAuliffe. And Glenn Youngkin, well, they're in a close race because Glenn Youngkin isn't a extreme divisive candidate the way Donald Trump is. And you know that the extreme divisive candidate on the right just doesn't play in deep blue Virginia. But if you give them a more moderate Republican, well, then deep blue Virginia will be like, oh, yeah, we do like Republicans better. They just have to be more moderate. That's definitely what's happening. Okay, so that's what we get if the polls are to be believed and there wasn't actually a cheating regime set up for elections in Virginia. Now, as a caveat here, before I go on, there's people who are saying that Virginia and the RNC working in Virginia have done good work to set up a system whereby they can actually monitor this election and stop the Democrats from cheating. Maybe I'm pessimistic or cynical here, but I have very strong doubts that that's true. John Fredericks was on the war room this morning talking about that. I have to say, I don't buy it. I, you know, I think that John Fredericks is probably a well-intentioned and honest man. I don't know that he can possibly be right about this, which is not to say that Glenn Youngkin won't win. 
I mean, Trump said last week that he believes Glenn Youngkin will win. We'll see how that turns out. But when you tell me the RNC is going into a state to monitor illegality in their elections and that they're actually going to get the job done, I don't buy it for a second. The RNC has not gone after election fraud at all this entire time. Nothing has changed about the 2020 election. It has always been a complete and total farce. That election was decided by rampant, massive, widespread fraud. And the RNC refused to lift a finger. So if you're telling me that the RNC is putting resources into Virginia to protect the outcome of the Virginia election and make sure the outcome is honest, sorry, I don't buy it. And when your motivation is to tell every potential Republican voter that they must get out there and vote for Glenn Youngkin to make sure that we can get this governor's seat back on the Republican side, I have my doubts. The last thing I want to see, and by the way, I would like to obviously have Ralph Northam and Terry McAuliffe out of politics forever. That would be a wonderful thing. But if the effect of this election is to put Glenn Youngkin in the governor's mansion in Virginia, and then everybody kind of just wipes their hands and says, oh, well, we have this system now that we can watch elections and make sure that the cheating doesn't happen, then we have moved absolutely nowhere. Okay, that is a giveaway of the entire movement to the Uniparty. Handing control back over to the RNC to make sure that they can monitor the elections doesn't really help anything if the motivation is to get rid of the Uniparty and make sure that the elections have integrity. I could be wrong, but I don't think that they monitored the California recall election. That kind of just went by whatever rules the communists decided. You could print out your ballot at home, just on paper, and then drop it in a Dropbox that Mark Zuckerberg paid for, and that counts. And you could do it as many times as you want, because who's checking? All votes have to count, right? How many votes did they reject? How many mail-in self-printed ballots did California reject? I bet it's zero. Or close to zero. So this is a very close race, according to the polls. The polls, as we know, are almost always wrong. They are always wrong in one direction. They are always wrong intentionally in that one direction to favor the Democrat. So the strong likelihood is that Virginians want to get the Democrat Communist Party out of power in the governor's mansion. I mean, Having a governor like Ralph Northam, who has that viewpoint about late-term abortion, which is just macabre, it's disgusting. It's so far beyond the bounds of the normal abortion discussion. And have whatever feelings you want about that. Even someone who is pro-choice can still understand that that, that thing that Ralph Northam said is sick. And he dressed up either in blackface or a Klan costume 
and doesn't remember which person he is. If that was my governor, I would be pretty embarrassed. And if the guy on his team trying to replace him said things like, I don't think that parents should be telling schools what they should be teaching. I don't think that I would be voting for that team any longer. But nonetheless, the Democrats are going to Virginia in full force to try to support Terry McAuliffe, who is not quite on Joe Biden's level of uh, career corruption, but he's pretty damn close. So this past weekend, Jill Biden went there. Apparently, Joe couldn't get himself out of the basement. Barack Obama went there. Stacey Abrams went there. And Kamala Harris actually recorded a video that she had played in 300 black churches across Virginia, which is a violation of election law. Tax-exempt churches are not supposed to be blatantly and openly political. And that's exactly what she turned these churches into. And I'm sure that they made the calculation that the illegality would not matter at all, that there was no one there who would even attempt to punish them, much less actually punish them. And so they're almost happy to have done something illegally that will get called out widely in the press on the right because it will help them spread the message that black voters in black churches have been inspired to vote now. That's what Kamala's video was for, because Kamala, as you know, is black. I, I guess Kamala's black. I know that her parents actually were slave owners in Jamaica. That much is a fact. And I know that her citizenship in the United States, her ability to actually become president, according to the Constitution, is definitely in question. But for the sake of politics right now, Kamala Harris is black. But Kamala Harris is also the first Asian to do so many things too. So she's one of one of the two. Whatever is convenient in the moment, that's what Kamala Harris is. Kamala Harris took her inspiring message of lifting every voice. That's actually something she said, of course, which is, you know, the title of the Black National Anthem that is now a second national anthem. Oh, we have an extra national anthem for the blacks. That's woke. That's what we're being told is woke. But Kamala Harris sends out her inspiring message illegally. 300 black churches have now all heard her message. And I'm sure that all of the people filling the pews at the black churches are totally on board with the Democrat Communist Party mission, except for the fact that, of course, they're not. Polling on the policy positions of black Americans has never shown what the Democrat Communist Party pretends it shows. Black Americans, for example, are not in favor of defunding the police. Pew did a study about that last year. It was something like 82% of black Americans thought that there should be as many or more police in their communities 
than there were while we were having Black Lives Matter riots all over the country. Black Americans in about an 80% rate think that voter ID is a good idea. Black Americans are more opposed to wokeness and political correctness and abortion, by the way, than white Americans are. So why are we always, always, always told that the Democrat Communist Party message resonates with black American voters whenever the Democrats need to steal elections? How did Joe Biden win in the primary in South Carolina last year? Well, Jim Clyburn went out there to all the black churches and got all the black church ladies to go out and vote Democrat and everybody else in the church. Also, apparently, if you go to the black churches all around the state, you can just drum up millions and millions of votes. Initially, they were not going to vote at all or maybe for the other side. But now that you've gone to the black churches and said, hey, remember the Democrat Communist Party? We're on your side. Then they just all agree and they're like, oh, yes, I cannot wait to vote again for a member of the Democrat Communist Party. They are going to tell me I am special and they can govern my land for the next hundred years and drive us into chaos and disaster. But we will keep on voting for them because we know that Kamala Harris has our backs. Kamala Harris has always been so good to minority communities. Just look at her record as California Attorney General. Does any of this argument make sense to anyone? The only people this argument could make sense to are straight up dyed in the wool commies who actually think that communism is the best recipe and they do not care about lying to achieve it. Those types of commies will 100% accept this hook, line, and sinker. But also, Obamis and Romneys will accept it as well because they are all party of false decorum people. They all want to look like They are race heroes. They will say the right things about race all the time. Whatever they are told to say, they will say it. Hey, commies, say this about black people and you're going to not look racist. And they'll all do it. And how do they look while they do it? Oh, racist. 100% racist. In fact, what could be more racist than thinking, Oh, some black people went to talk to the black churches and now the Democrat Communist Party wins because they say all the right things about black people, just like we do. That's the thought process, and that is where the thought process ends. It makes sense to them that black people would act that way. So they believe that black people did act that way. And when black people act that way, then it makes sense to them that Democrats can have these strong sweeping victories in places they have no business winning. And if you dare to question the integrity of their election, of their vote count, then you, my friend, are racist. That's how the system works. That's how they've used it 
over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. They just steal votes. And who do they steal the votes from? Well, I'll give you a guess. So Kamala Harris was not the only black woman superstar of the Democrat Communist Party to visit Virginia to try to convince Obamis and Romneys that the Democrats were actually going to win because the only thing they care about is presenting a narrative that makes their outcome look legitimate. They need to present you all of this stuff in advance so that when they steal the election, you're like, oh, yeah, but, you know, they sent the big guns to Virginia. They had Barack Obama go there and Stacey Abrams and Kamala Harris. And you're like, yeah, OK, but they all campaigned with Joe Biden, too, and no one showed up. Kamala Harris actually has terrible approval ratings. No one likes her. She had to drop out of the Democrat Communist Party primary. Before they started voting, that's how much they don't like Kamala Harris. No one likes Kamala Harris. Barack Obama's public profile has dropped dramatically since he left office. People are beginning to figure out who Barack Obama actually is, what Barack Obama actually represents and what he actually did in office. And he committed crimes against the country in office. Barack Obama will eventually be found guilty of treason, and that'll be a glorious day. But Barack Obama just is who he is. People are learning that. And then we have Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams, the shooting star of the Democrat Communist Party. The woman whose election apparatus wins Democrats' victories all over the country. The woman whose temp firm hired out all of the election workers in Georgia or not all, but most election workers in Georgia, in Fulton County, in the urban centers. Let's say that. I think that's more accurate. Happy faces. Stacey Abrams hired them. They were paid. She was paid to facilitate that. Stacey Abrams is a walking election fraud machine. This is not the first time I've said that on this podcast. This is what Stacey Abrams exists to do. Stacey Abrams ran for governor in Georgia in 2018 and still doesn't admit she lost. Now, I'm going to play a clip of Stacey Abrams speaking, and it's going to include remarks on that Georgia thing I just talked about. But that barely scratches the surface on how pernicious and insidious what this lady does truly is. You see, I'm here to tell you that just because you win doesn't mean you're won. We've got folks who are ready to take back what they think is theirs, but they are not entitled to our progress. They are not entitled to our justice. They are not entitled to our votes. But either we use them or we lose them. I come from a state where I was not entitled to become the governor. But as an American citizen and a citizen of Georgia, I'm going to fight for every person who has the right to vote to be able to cast that vote. And here in Virginia, you need to cast that vote for Terry McAuliffe. You need to cast that vote for Hala Ayala. 
you need to cast that vote for Mark Herring. And while you're at it, go all the way down the ballot. Don't stop till you reach the bottom. And then double check your work. Because we know Bovu all the way through. Because we know what is possible. Did you catch all that? So she wasn't entitled to be governor of her state. She's upset because they had the whole cheating system set up in Fulton County and in Georgia in 2018, and it just didn't work. Something happened. Same sort of thing that happened in 2016 when the presidential election just didn't work for Hillary. There must be something wrong. Remember, Hillary didn't come out on election night to concede. She waited till the next day. They had to think about things, about what they were going to do. And then years later, five years later, Hillary Clinton is still talking about how that election was stolen from her. But that's not a problem when you're a member of the Democrat Communist Party, because it's not stealing at that point. It's what the system is supposed to produce. If the system is supposed to produce a, a win for the Democrat Communist Party and it doesn't, then that means something, in fact, was stolen from them. Not allowing them to steal is immoral in their minds. And that, of course, is entitlement. But that's not the interesting part of Stacey Abrams' little tirade there. She just said, we have people who want to take back what they think is theirs but they're not entitled to our progress. They're not entitled to our justice. You got that? So if you vote against the old white man, she's telling you to vote for the old corrupt criminal, unpunished, untouchable white guy, then you are actually voting against all of the black voters in Virginia, who have made all this progress. What does it mean, though, to not be entitled to their justice, their progress? What does that mean? It means that as soon as the political tides shift, turn in their direction, then them ever turning back the other direction is racist. It's evil. It's unjust. It's anti-progress because things moving in their direction is progress by their definition. But it's not progress. Progress means you're making the world a better place. All they're doing is making the world more communist and they're using communist tactics to do it. But I actually want to go a little beyond that. Because let's say that they were actually all operating in good faith and the voters decided that what they really wanted was more policy from the Democrat Communist Party. Now, I think that's terrible, and I don't understand why anyone in the world would actually want that. The reason people want it is usually through immorality or ignorance. But let's say that there really are all these Virginians who want that. And this is the system they choose. And then people like Stacey Abrams and Kamala Harris and Barack Obama and Terry McAuliffe, whose 
primary goal is representing uh, powerful communist interests above them who control them. They are the public face of global communism and people like Stacey Abrams, whose entire job is stealing elections. Let's say that they are all legitimately voted into office and that they are able to set their policies in place and that somehow the justice system is guided in a different direction. It is changed into something that it hadn't been prior. It is a new thing now. And that's just what justice means in that state. What does it mean for a political leader to decide that anyone who might support her own political opposition does not deserve justice? Whatever definition of justice you use, the whole point of justice is that everyone deserves it because true justice applies the right punishment to the right offense, no matter who commits the offense. That's what justice is. A sense of objectivity and fairness is essential to justice definitionally. So why in the world would some people not be entitled to justice saying that there is a group of people who aren't entitled to justice is one of the most evil and dictatorial things I've ever heard. I mean, that is right up there with Hitler. Like that is real. And I, that, I'm not trying to overstate it. Like really, what else could it be? She is dividing people by political belief. Either you are with us or against us. And she's saying that the people who are against us do not deserve justice. Not that they don't deserve to be spoken to politely, right? And it would be bad enough if she was saying they don't deserve our respect. That's a pretty harsh statement as well. When you're talking about a group of people, an undefined group of people. You know, I don't think that Joe Biden deserves our respect. But that's because of who Joe Biden is. But I would never deprive Joe Biden of justice. In fact, I want Joe Biden to get justice because justice relative to Joe Biden is going to be extremely harsh because Joe Biden has sold out the country for five decades. And Joe Biden is a degenerate pervert who has taken inappropriate showers with his own daughter, according to his own daughter. Joe Biden raised Hunter Biden into a complete degenerate and then sent him out into the world to be his bag man and facilitate Joe Biden selling out his country and his constituents and his political power to the country's adversaries. That's who Joe Biden is. Justice is going to be very harsh on him, but it still will be justice. And if I were completely wrong about Joe Biden, I would still want him to receive justice. OK, I could be totally wrong about Joe Biden and then none of the things that I think will be held against him. And that will be right if the system is just. Stacey Abrams wants to deprive people of justice. That's bananas. 
But that's not even the best example of crazy dictatorial rhetoric in the last week. We have fewer democracies in the world today than we did 15 years ago. Fewer. Not more. Fewer. Cannot be sustained. That's why from day one of my administration, I've taken concrete steps to put human rights back at the center of our foreign policy and reassert our moral leadership on the global stage. Now, to be fair, that last part was Hitler reacting to England at the World Cup a few years ago. <laughs> Joe Biden sounds like that. He's pounding on the podium because he is, I guess, upset that there are fewer democracies in the world than there were 15 years ago. Apparently, this is somebody's failure and not his. Now, I'm not sure what he means as democracies. I have to assume that what he's talking about is countries that agree with the global communist agenda and countries that have George Soros's election apparatus in place, as we often talk about when they say our democracy, this is a threat to our democracy. That's what they're talking about. It's not the ability to have one person, one vote, because they are actually the party threatening that. But Joe Biden is pounding on the table, admonishing someone that democracies in the world are apparently dying. Now, I don't think that's true, but regardless of what he meant, Joe Biden sounds insane and he looks insane. He went from his leaning over the microphone whispering thing at the beginning to standing up straight and pounding on the podium as he yells about fewer democracies and that the mood changes like that are a sign of his mental decline. This is not normal. He's not animated by some inner passion for increasing the number of democracies around the world. To believe that, we would have to believe that Joe Biden actually has self-generated thoughts and feelings at this point in his life, or that he had stood for something throughout his career. But Joe Biden hasn't stood for anything in his career. Joe Biden has sold his political office and he has passed racist laws through the Congress. There's really not anything else Joe Biden is notable for. Pretty much just racist comments, racist laws, selling his office, facilitating corruption. That's Joe Biden. There is no other Joe Biden. There's not more to Joe Biden. Joe Biden isn't a brilliant man with political ideas and ambitions to see those ideas reflected in the world. He's not a committed public servant. I mean, we don't all have to be child brains about this. 
Joe Biden is exactly the racist, corrupt political operator that we are told is a threat to, you guessed it, democracy. But Joe Biden's not the only one worried about democracies, of course. The media is very worried about democracies as well. And there was a big piece in The Atlantic on Sunday from Peter Nicholas. This is just a couple of days after Joe Biden went on this tirade. The headline is, is Biden doing enough to protect democracy? Even the president's closest allies are alarmed that he's not making voting rights a front and center issue. From the beginning of Joe Biden's fake presidency, the Democrats have done little else beyond pushing their voting rights nonsense and their spending packages. They have failed in large part to achieve anything because the country didn't vote for them. The country doesn't want them to achieve their goals because their goals will ruin the country. And well, more than half the country knows that. I mean, we already know that 56% of the country, according to that Rasmussen poll, thinks that Joe Biden isn't even legally, legitimately the president at this point. So we don't have to pretend that there's all this popular support for his most extreme goals, this voting rights stuff being one of the most extreme. As a reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer in the early 2000s, I once received a call from a couple of Republican campaign operatives who said they had something to show me. We met at their office in Washington, D.C. a few days later. They presented printouts of recent election records and pointed to a few cases of what they suspected were people voting illegally. One after another, their examples of voter fraud turned out to be nothing. Oh, of course. They had flagged, for instance, a voter named John Smith, who might have cast ballots on the same day in two different precincts, discounting the possibility that more than one person named John Smith might be living in the region. Their motivation was obvious enough. They were attempting to plant stories that would delegitimize elections that the GOP risked losing. It didn't work. Oh, thank goodness. What a hero Peter Nicholas is. And what a genius. Who could have figured out that there might be two guys named John Smith? His story, though, sounds very real. I'm surprised that his story isn't so real that it's something his eight-year-old daughter came home and told him. Oh, my God. Peter Nicholas tweets, my eight-year-old daughter just came home and told me that her classmate tried to convince her that voting fraud was real because there were two guys named John Smith, and I just tussled her hair and laughed. Ha ha. Ah, eight-year-old daughter, I said. There's probably just two guys named John Smith. And then she said, oh, you're so smart, daddy. Thank you for pointing that out. I guess you're right. Election fraud could never happen. From the mouths of babes. You know what I mean? With the rising block of younger, more diverse voters who skew left, Republican efforts like this in recent years have mushroomed into a full-blown campaign, undercutting the bedrock notion that American voters are the ones who decide elections. Whether GOP-controlled states are drawing new district lines that would disenfranchise Hispanic and black voters for the next 10 years, or, quote, auditing 2020 election results that have already shown that Donald Trump lost, the goal is the same. By any means necessary, win. I mean, it is amazing to me. The Atlantic is fully communist. I get it. All right. But these people are supposed to be smart. This is just pure dishonesty. Or this guy is the dumbest person on earth. 
You got to choose one. Okay. You cannot get out of a paragraph like that, retaining both the illusion of intelligence and the illusion of honesty. That's not possible. Fiona Hill worked on Trump's National Security Council and later provided compelling testimony in his first impeachment trial. I asked her if she feared for democracy's future should Trump win again. We're already there, she told me. I'm worried about it now. Millions of people are showing they don't want any criticism of Trump. Democracy is becoming a dirty word, something that's anti-Trump. Utter lunacy, by the way. And Fiona Hill is being presented as if she is some Republican Trump ally. Like she's on, she's already on the bad team and even she agrees with us. This is one of the oldest tactics of the state media is finding someone from the other side who they then pretend is representative of another viewpoint. And then saying that because this person from the other side agrees with us, that means that our viewpoint is actually correct. That's not a diversity of viewpoints. That's not an argument from the other side. It's just a complete and total fallacy. These are direct assaults on the basic underpinnings of the democratic system. Wendy Weiser, who directs the Brennan Center for Justices, Democracy program told me, oh, good. So now we have the Brennan Center weighing in. Shocking that they would go to the Brennan Center for expertise. This year, 19 states have passed 33 laws creating obstacles to the most fundamental American right. Part of a, quote, multi-pronged effort to sabotage elections, she added. As the 2022 midterm elections approach and with 20, the 2024 presidential election not far behind. Democrats believe that President Joe Biden needs to fiercely combat the illiberal forces at work this very second in the country. And those fearing the loss of a two century tradition of self-government in America are asking with a hint of desperation. Where is he? <laughs> yeah, we're asking where Joe Biden is, too. Is he in the basement? Is that Joe Biden? Why does he have a different face than before? And if it's surgery, why does he also have a different brain than before? <laughs> Certainly Biden has been busy. He's struggling to pass a historic multi-trillion dollar economic plan that he seems determined to make the centerpiece of his presidency. I think the Biden administration's more immediate priority is these infrastructure bills. Representative Adam Schiff, a California Democrat who serves on the select committee investigating the January 6th insurrection, told me. So Peter Nicholas needed to know what the Biden administration's real priorities are since they're not getting this whole voting rights thing passed. And he went to Adam Schiff who he now describes as someone on the select committee that is investigating the insurrection. The amount of bias already in that description of who Adam Schiff is, is unbelievable. The fact that these idiots can get away with calling the January 6th thing an insurrection, and they can get away with calling the uh, congressional panel trying to propagandize that event, a select committee. This is just, this is bizarro world nonsense for sure. We are like already on the other side of reality. And I really think that voting rights need to be pursued with equal vigor. Yes, Adam Schiff, 
That's the problem. He's going too hard after fixing the country's infrastructure with 9% of the $5 trillion he wants. It's going to fix the infrastructure while you're busy tackling the insurrection. And the truth is, no one's looking out for the voting rights, even though black Americans, of course, as I said before, want voter ID. This Voting Rights Act is going to make sure that voter ID can never, ever hurt black people who actually want it. Thanks, Adam Schiff and Joe Biden and Stacey Abrams. It's also going to make sure that ballot harvesting can happen everywhere and that mail-in balloting is universal. You know, all the stuff that makes elections safer, like everyone wants, except for the fact that virtually no one supports this, except for Peter Nicholas of The Atlantic, I guess. This is still Adam Schiff, by the way. Efforts to interfere with election officials at the state level are foundational to democracy. And if the foundation becomes infirm, the whole edifice comes crashing down, end quote. What good is expanded broadband, after all, if it only helps an autocratic government spread democracy-destroying disinformation? Yeah, that's a great question, Peter. It's hard question to take in context of the very thing you're writing, which is democracy destroying information. You are literally shilling for voting rights. And by voting rights, you mean stuff that will make sure you can never rely on one person, one vote by a legal American citizen ever again. That's literally what he's supporting while writing this. When it comes to GOP attempts to subvert elections, Biden has at times been eloquent. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. One thing Joe Biden has always been known for is his eloquence. And at other times, conspicuously silent. Fewer democracies, fewer democracies. Nine, 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 nine. In July, he gave an impassioned speech in Philadelphia in which he shamed Republicans for not working to uphold, quote, the sacred right to vote. As my colleague Ronald Brownstein noted at the time, Biden didn't mention the one step that's absolutely necessary to protect voting rights, doing away with the Senate filibuster rule that is blocking passage of electoral reforms. Yes, nothing can protect voting rights more than facilitating tyranny of an illegitimate majority. Gosh, that's just politics 101. Constitution be damned. We just need to make sure that the majority, no matter how you describe it and no matter how illegitimate it is, no matter how misrepresented it is as a majority in the first place, because as you can see by the polling, it is clearly not. What we need to make sure of is that that majority can impose their will on the rest of the country in ways that will completely change the makeup of the country and our entire constitutional system in one fell swoop. That's how you protect democracy right there, says the communist. In a recent speech, Biden found time to talk about renewable energy, tax credits, early childhood education, climate change, the debt limit, and a growing number of Americans getting vaccinated. He touched on everything, it seemed, except voting rights. If the nation faces, quote, 
the most dangerous threat to voting and integrity of the free and fair elections in our history, as Biden warned in Philadelphia, isn't that as worthy of a mention as plug-in charging stations? Oh, man, Peter Nicholas is just diagnosing the entire problem. Ask the White House what it's doing to defend voting rights, and the stock reply is plenty. One aide sent me a spreadsheet illustrating Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris's attention to the issue. The breakdown showed nearly three dozen speeches, meetings, and events for Harris, and six for Biden. Attorney General Merrick Garland has set up a criminal task force to crack down on intimidation of election employees, a growing problem. And by growing problem, he means it's not a problem anywhere, but they are going to pretend it is to justify communist government overreach. And not to belabor this uh, absolute trash writing that The Atlantic is disseminating, I'm going to jump to the end section. Activists are growing more frustrated by the day. In July, Sister Quincy Howard okay, and other faith leaders took part in a Zoom meeting on voting rights that included the senior White House advisor, Cedric Richmond. She left feeling disheartened by the White House's message, summarizing it as, quote, we need all of you to help us get the word out that there's a problem with voting rights. Oh, yeah, well, that's very effective. And I'm like, what? We're so far beyond that. It was jaw dropping. The word is out. End quote. Then in August, Ben Jealous, the former president of the NAACP and now the head of the liberal group People for the American Way sent a letter along with the League of Women Voters to Richmond, warning that voting rights legislation wouldn't pass unless the filibuster rule is scrapped. They asked for a meeting with the White House chief of staff, Ron Klain, and his deputy, Bruce Reed, but got no reply. Feeling stymied, activists began holding demonstrations outside the White House. Earlier this month, both Howard and Jealous were arrested on Pennsylvania Avenue during a protest. A Secret Service agent took Howard took off Howard's veil while detaining her for crossing a police line. I called the agency and asked why this step was necessary. Did they believe there was a concealed weapon beneath the nun's garments? A spokesperson told me that Howard and four others had refused to disperse and that during the course of any arrest, the Secret Service employs consistent standardized arrest protocols for the safety and security of all involved. Jealous said he was handcuffed for hours and spent the night in jail with the most aggressive roaches you've ever seen. Oh, the horror. It's almost like these people shouldn't try to get arrested for publicity in the first place if they don't want to go through the process of the arrest. When I mentioned the alarm coming from activists, the White House official told me that the Biden administration is, quote, pushing full force end quote, to pass voting protections. It's fair for activists to continue to push, the official said. Every constituency has their issue. If you ask immigration folks, they'll tell you their issue is a life or death issue, too. Democracy's preservation would seem more than a pet issue. This is Nicholas saying that. In one crucial respect, Biden has been holding back. He has yet to give a full-throated statement that Senate Democrats need to end the filibuster. Oh, yes. And that full-throated statement would be so well taken. He would really force the issue. Joe Biden would use the bully pulpit. Everyone would fall in line because they know that their leader has finally laid down the gauntlet. President Biden says that voting rights must be passed. Therefore, we will pass it. And they begin chanting, therefore, we will pass it and not fuck Joe Biden, as most people do chant. Has there ever been a moment 
in our history does anyone remember a moment where crowds of people every time they gathered just broke out in chants about the president framed that way no of course there hasn't been that because most of the time there would be a public backlash to that because most of the time crowds that gather for a reason other than politics generally represent a multitude of beliefs. So saying something that would be so offensive to one side would be uncouth. And most people, because of politeness, would choose not to do that. Turns out that at this point, that chant actually goes over really well because most people in the crowd agree that the fake president is actually illegitimate. And even if he's not illegitimate, he is by far the worst, most incompetent, most evil, and most divisive president we've ever had. And of course, he is a fake president. I am including him in the set of all actual presidents. Manchin might never find the 10 Republican votes needed to break a filibuster, but the exercise gives him political cover to tell West Virginians that he at least tried. Having shown that Republican resistance was unwavering, Manchin could then join the dozens of Democratic senators who see the filibuster as a tool for minority obstruction and perhaps persuade Cinema to do the same. I don't believe arcane Senate rules should be allowed to turn back the clock on something as fundamental as voting in America. Senator Ron Wyden, an Oregon Democrat, told me. So let me see if I have this straight. Joe Biden was elected with 81 million real legal votes. The greatest number of all time. So great that he surpassed by 6 million to 7 million votes, the second greatest number of all time that was achieved by his own opponent in that very election. And that opponent, being Donald Trump, of course, received 75, 74, 75 million votes. And he definitely got all the votes that people cast for him even the ones that were destroyed on video that we all saw, even the ones that ended up in ditches at the hands of uh, postal workers, 75 is still his real total. And there was no machine fraud, no anything. 75 million votes was Donald Trump's real total. The tippy, tippy top total that Donald Trump could have possibly achieved was 74, 75 million votes. He didn't get shortchanged at all. So he had the greatest number of all time, even at that 74, 75 million votes, while being so hated that his opponent got the most votes of all time, even more than him, just based on how much people hated Donald Trump. So Donald Trump rose 12 million, 12 million more votes than 2016 while being so hated that his opponent got 15 million more votes than Hillary Clinton did in 2016. And so Joe Biden came into office as the most popular president ever, ever. Huge margin of victory, 
in the popular vote, something that is really a real thing, even though it isn't. The most popular president of all time, most votes of all time, comes into office and makes his number one priority voting rights. Because even though 27 million more people went out and voted in 2020 than 2016, a full 20% growth over the population that voted in 2016, 20% growth, they determined that the biggest problem was voting rights. And because voting rights is such a huge problem, they had to propose sweeping legislation that would change the system of voting in America irreparably forever. They would do it in strict opposition to the wording of the Constitution and just trust that the Supreme Court wouldn't overturn their law in time or ever. That was the plan. The most popular president ever who went in with this overwhelming mandate to pass Democrat Communist Party politics and policies into law. His number one priority was voting rights. They've worked on it since the very beginning. H.R. 1. H.R. 1. The primary legislation. And here we are nine months later. They're not talking about it. Peter Nicholas wonders why. It's not because the country doesn't want it. Can't be because of that. Of course, the country wants Democrat Communist Party protection over voting rights. Of course, the country wants to see the federal government take those rights away from the state as outlined in the Constitution. Of course, that's what the country wants. The country wants it so bad that it can't pass through the Senate. Even though the Democrats have a 51-50 majority, they cannot get any Republican support for the Voting Rights Act. It's crazy. Because those Republicans must surely represent states that understand how big Joe Biden's margin of victory is, how very popular he is, how much popular support there is throughout the country for Democrat Communist Party policy. Somehow they can't get any senators to support it. So now what they need to do is not only bust up the voting rights of citizens around the country, turning the entire system into a federalized system so the federal government can have centralized control over everything, take away every single possible measure that might guarantee the integrity of a vote, one person, one vote. And instead, they're going to usher in a system where they can just collect votes however they want. Fake paper, no big deal. No voter ID, no big deal. Illegal alien voting, no big deal. Hundreds of people voting from a place in Wisconsin whose address no longer exists because the name of the street has been changed since the 2010 census. But yet, hundreds of people still vote from that address in 2020. No problem. No problem. It doesn't matter at all if the vote is from a real voter, much less a legal American citizen voting one time. It doesn't matter at all. What matters is whether or not we can collect enough votes, legal or illegal, to claim to have won elections. 
And Peter Nicholas is very much in support of that. So supporting of it that he wants to eliminate the filibuster. Which is there only to protect against the tyranny of the majority. That is supposed to no longer matter. Because voting rights are that important. It almost seems like all of these people understand that they cannot ever win elections ever again without taking full control of the voting system. It is so blatant and so obvious and so dishonest that at this point, everyone can see it. But it's not just about 2022 and 2024. The truth is they have been on this path for a long time. And they have already gone far enough down that path to be able to achieve most of their goals. This freak out makes sense because that regime is threatened. And if their ability to hold and control elections and achieve the outcomes that they want all the time, if that goes away, they are completely finished. And while I have zero faith in the RNC, to be effective at monitoring the election in Virginia. I do still believe that we are going to restore the integrity of our elections. And if it turns out that Glenn Youngkin wins that Virginia election, that does not mean the system is fixed, not by a long shot. That is what they're going to try to spin. If Glenn Youngkin wins, the RNC, the Romneys of the country, and the Obamis in the media will all tell us that elections work just fine. It's just Trump that's toxic. A Republican can still win in Virginia, just not Trump. And we're expected to believe that because that's going to serve the goals of the Uniparty and that will cement the corrupt and illegitimate election apparatus that we now refer to as our democracy. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app 
at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcouture.com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time out on the range. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!